Israel, this is week 18 of your story. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This is week 18, and it's about Jesus baptized. Now, off the bat, I never really saw what the big deal was about Jesus getting baptized. Uh, People, especially growing up in church world, seemed to make such a big deal about it that it was so important and so, like, pivotal and central, and and honestly, I just never really got it. It doesn't seem that hard, does it? And and yet, you see that, that for the gospel writers, this is an absolutely pivotal, central story. But it never made sense to me because, I mean, let's jump into it. What what does John say? He says, I baptize you with water for repentance, right? Question, does Jesus have anything to repent of? So if Jesus has nothing to repent of, why on earth is he being baptized? And it never made sense to me. I never saw what the big deal is. And, and I never even understood where it was coming from to begin with. Now, now, some people would come to me and say things like, well, you know, Jesus has to be baptized to, well, kind of obey God's commands. I mean, after all, let me show you this. Jesus says, let's do this to fulfill all righteousness, right? Uh, you know what the problem is? Nowhere in Jesus' Bible is there ever a command for him to be baptized or for you to be baptized. I mean, pull out your phones. Go to Bible, Bible Gateway. See if you can find the word baptize anywhere in the Old Testament. It's not there. So, so if, to, to kind of construct it as like Jesus had to jump through some kind of hoop to like kind of fulfill some like, some like obedience quota or something, I think fundamentally misses the point. And it wasn't until later in my life that I came to, to really find out why this is so important. And, and what it shows about Jesus that is so, you know, just honestly mind-blowing and amazing with something that is so significant, with so much impact, 
for understanding who he is and, and his relationship with us. And, and, and I think something that, that misses the eye often, also for me and for you. Now, the story here appears in, in all four of the Gospels. And don't let the significance of that be lost on you. Do you know how absolutely rare that is for like a story of Jesus to pop up in all four Anytime you see a story of Jesus pop up in all four, I mean, like, like warning bells should start going off in your heads, like ding, 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 this is important. Focus in. And all four of the Gospels begin with Jesus getting baptized. Now, John comes to Jesus and he says, you're coming to be baptized by me? Really? He says, wait, I need to be baptized by you but you come to me. And guys, this is so crucial to get. John was absolutely right. Because John knew what he was about. He got what this was about. And he knew, just as well as Jesus knew, that there was nothing for him to repent of. So the question this morning is this. What is Jesus doing? What is he actually doing, and what does it actually convey when he is baptized, and why is this so significant? Now, off the bat, I kind of find it interesting. John says that he baptizes with water for repentance. Now, words are important, and don't let the wording here slip you by. Because if you look at this closely, it's kind of, I think, backwards to how most of us think about it. I mean, go with me for a second. Don't most of us kind of approach it with the idea of repent and be baptized? That's not what John says. He says it's not a baptism of repentance. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance, for the purpose of repentance, into repentance is how some translations will put it, for the result of repentance. For John, it's almost like baptism is this gateway or entryway into repentance and not the reverse. Interesting. Now, in unpacking what Jesus is about, it's always important, I think, to kind of start off by defining the terms. Let's kind of make sure we're we're on the same playing field and understanding what we're talking about. Ten Bucks says that if if I were to say this, next Sunday... We're going to have a baptism here at 10.30. Right now, for about 95% of you, you would all get like, just like slightly depressed, and there would be this sense of like, oh, because you know, it's just like, I'm going to have to sit through like this photo op of the, like, this kid in like this weird little white dress, and, and, and it's supposed to be really cool, but it's just like making it so much long. You know, we've been there, right? But you know, in Jesus' day, the word baptism was an everyday word. It didn't have to be loaded with any kind of like theological or or churchy religious meaning. And it just meant this, to immerse, to immerse something. And, and, And baptism is anything that you can immerse something into. So John is out by the Jordan, and he's doing what? Immersing people in water. But that's not the only thing you can be immersed into. Uh, you know, example, have you, ever, uh, have you ever made the mistake of like driving south towards like Kentucky worship land and uh, 
you start to see, especially if you're like an I-55, you get south of I-80, and, and it starts immediately. It's like Merrimack Caverns, only 2,000 miles. And then for like every mile thereafter, you got that billboard going, Merrimack Caverns, 1,993 miles, 1990. We, we've seen those, right? I'm just curious. Have any of you actually ever been to Merrimack Caverns? Okay, two, because I have yet to meet any human soul who has actually ever listened to that billboard, so I have got to talk to you after worship, all right, because that rocks, my gosh. Have you ever done one of those cave tours, though? And, and they're all the same. They take you in and they bring you to the deepest, darkest point of the cave, and then they say those, those words, lights off, and you flip off the headlamps and you flip off the flashlights, and there is like a darkness on there that, that for lack of a better way of putting it, has substance. You, you know what I mean? It's like a darkness that, that clings to you and sticks to you and surrounds you. You can almost feel yourself immersed into the darkness. This is baptism. And, and we all know how this goes, especially if you found yourself there in like one of those really good sunny days. And you come around the bend and, and you're walking up and there's like that, that, that shaft of light, that, that beam that's coming in through the mouth of the cave. And, and you could almost see it, like see the particles of it. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Like those times when the sun is breaking through in the clouds and it's like, I want to stand in that. And, and it's like the light feels like, like you could actually touch it or taste it. And you just want to experience what is it like to be surrounded enveloped in light like that. See, that's baptism. Anything you can immerse someone into is a fair term and fair use of the term baptism. Water, light, darkness, despair, joy, sorrow, mud, pudding, jello, if you can plunge or immerse something into it, that is what baptism is. Are you with me? And John says, I have come to immerse people for repentance. All right, let's kind of put that on burner right over there. All right? Now let's go to the second term, repentance, because it's equally significant for understanding what Jesus is doing. Now 10 bucks says, that when you hear the term repentance, all of the church jargon lights start like whizzing and like whirling in your head. And you're probably, well, let me ask you, when you hear repent or repentance, what's that asking you to do? What do you think? Okay, let, confess your sins, hear a couple murmuring over here. I got someone up there going, please don't look at me. Um, <laughs> Ten bucks says it probably means something to the effect in your mind of like, well, I need to feel sorry about what I've done. Oh, I need to feel, right? right? I, I need to feel bad. But see, just like baptism, repentance was not a theologically charged word, though it was used theologically. It was an everyday word. And it simply meant to turn or to return. And I'm not just talking in some kind of spiritual, theological, metaphysical kind of way. I mean, you could use it in kind of an everyday way. Kind of like, you know, you're in the car and you're with grandma and she's driving and you realize you're on the wrong road and you kind of go, grandma, you're going the wrong way. Repent that car around. You know what I mean? Now, in that moment, are we looking for grandma to feel contrite? 
I mean, is the real goal to go, oh, now, Grandma, you should feel so bad about finding the wrong road. It kind of misses the point, doesn't it? What we really want is for Grandma to be enlightened in the moment, to go, oh, I realize now that this road is not going to take me there. I need to turn my car so I can get to where we're trying to go. And so John comes along, and he starts baptizing with water for repentance, immersing people into water for a turning of sorts. And all of this is absolutely significant to understanding what Jesus was about to do and what it means for me and for you. Now, uh, today is an ugly Christmas sweater Sunday. And, and I got to say, I think 9 o'clock kind of kicked your butts here, 1030. Um, but some of you, may I just say, look quite hideous this morning. Um, so, so rock on on that. And uh, some of you may be wondering where um, my Christmas attire might be. Well, uh, ladies, let me just tell you, I have got a surprise for you. My daughter looks like she's going to throw up. (laughs) I know what you're thinking right now. What? I'm telling you, ladies, this package is for one woman only, all right? And <laughs> now, some of us dressed like this today should truly repent. <laughs> Would you agree? But what we're not looking for when we talk about repentance is for people to feel so bad and so sorry that they wore Christmas attire. What we're really looking for is for them to turn to another way. And all of this is absolutely significant for understanding what Jesus was about to do. Now, we've already said that Jesus had nothing to repent of. So for him to come and be baptized with water for repentance, at one level, just doesn't make sense. And John knew it. John was absolutely right. But Jesus comes back and he says, but permit it. John, do this. Let it happen. Because this is the right way for us to fulfill all righteousness. Now, so often I was told, and, and, and it was, was, was inclined to think, that somehow Jesus had to kind of fulfill some code, fulfill some law, fulfill some spiritual quota so that his righteousness could be complete. But we've already seen that the Old Testament never commands someone to be baptized. So at some level, it doesn't make sense. And yet Jesus is still coming along saying, but it is the right way. This is the way for us to fulfill all righteousness. Question, whose? When it talks about fulfilling all righteousness, question, whose? Because see, 
I was always led to believe that Jesus was there to fulfill his righteousness, that this was something entwined with the righteousness of who he is. But Jesus doesn't say that. In fact, look, he says, this is the right way for us. Who's the us? Well, he and John, to fulfill all righteousness. And what Jesus' baptism is all about is him fulfilling righteousness for you. See, Jesus didn't go to the water that day by John to come out, somehow get clean of his sins or to somehow fulfill some kind of spiritual mandate or jump through some kind of religious hoop. What Jesus did that day was to look at people who were sinners. And the thing that was so amazing about what John was doing is that when he was baptizing, he was baptizing for repentance everyone. Now, don't let that escape you. Because when I say everyone, it meant everyone. It was those who were far from God. Those who were distant from God. But also those who thought they were near him. Because I don't care if you're a tax collector, prostitute, or sinner in the biblical definition of the word here this morning, or if you've been a church folk all your life and all your career. Each of us is a sinner. And each of us has to repent before God. I don't care if you're a Pharisee, Sadducee, or any other kind of see. The most religious folk John was calling out to that water saying, you too need to repent. And Jesus was there. And he was watching. And do you know what Jesus did? He got down into that water of repentance. And you know why he did it? He did it to identify with me and with you. Because see, what Jesus is all about and what Christmas is all about is not us getting clean and getting up to God. It's about a God who comes down to the dirty water to identify with me and with you. And the righteousness that Jesus is fulfilling is not some righteousness of his own accord. No, the, the righteousness that Jesus is fulfilling is the righteousness of me and of you. It's like Jesus came down and chose to, to identify himself with sinful humanity. He's saying, I'm going to get down in the mud and in the dirt with you to put myself in your place, to take your uncleanness upon me and give you my righteousness in its place. Oh, man, guys, if you're a sinner, if you're a sinner and you know what sin is like, do not miss, right, the power of what Jesus did that day. And this substitution thing in the Bible, I'm telling you, this happens all over the time. I mean, it's everywhere. Paul, Paul says it this way at one point. He says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. It's like John got into that water to say, your sin is now my sin. My righteousness is now yours because that's the kind of God he is. A God who comes to fulfill the righteousness of others by plunging himself, immersing himself in what it's like to be me and you. And yet, you know, I look at this story of, of Jesus 
And I think there's even something more going on than that. And it goes back to, to, to that one idea we put on the, um, the burner for a while called repentance. You know, I, I want to talk to those of you who are church folk here this morning. You know, those of you who, who for this has become normal and your worldview and your history and your heritage. Have you ever found that it's actually kind of hard to confess your sins? Now, now, this is not what I mean. What I'm not talking about is that it's somehow like hard because you're afraid God's going to judge you or, or you're afraid to approach him on it or something like that. that. That may be there for you, I don't know. But that's not what I'm talking about this morning. What I'm talking about is this. About 15 minutes ago, we had this time. We confessed our sins together, right? Those of you who are church folk, did you find yourself grasping to think of something? You ever have that moment where you're like, you know, I know that confessing my sins is supposed to be a part of my daily walk with Christ. I mean, I know it's central to my relationship and restoring that which gets broken day by day, but, but do you ever find yourself in those moments going, oh my gosh, for the life of me, I can't think of a thing to confess of. You know, like I, I didn't cheat on my wife and I didn't cheat on my taxes and I didn't kill anyone in the last six to seven days. So, I mean, really, it, you know what I'm talking about here, guys? See, I think it betrays a way that we think about repentance. I think for most of us, we think of repentance as ceasing to do something, stopping this, as though the, the sum total of repentance is defined by stopping some kind of bad behavior, period, that's it. You know, the longer I've walked with Christ, though, the more I've come to discover that, that, that obedience far often has more to do with doing something than with stopping something. And that oftentimes, in a walk of life with God, he will come to you and call you to something. And what he will call you to isn't necessarily out of sin per se, but out of a certain baseline or comfort zone or status of being where you happen to be at. And it's like what God is calling to you, you to, is to something deeper and higher, something that he wants to unleash in you, something he wants to do in you, something he wants to go through you. Does this make sense? And it's like, you can't sit there and go, well, to not do it, the Bible says would be sin, right? It's not like, if I don't do this, it says here in Leviticus 13, 22, thou shalt not, y you hear me? Yet at the same time, you kind of know deep in your soul that to not listen to that call, to not listen to that prompt, would be to violate something very deep in where God is calling you to go. I mean, I, I've met people who, who have left their jobs when it didn't make any sense. And they didn't really even know what that next step was going to look like because they had this, this gnawing sense inside, the, the sense of compulsion or call, that, that, that God was calling them to something. And even though they couldn't open the Bible and go to not do it would be sin, they knew that if they weren't to listen, 
they would be violating something deep into God's plan for them. Maybe some of you have been there. I, I remember one time when it happened to me. Um, you know, I never wanted to do this job. And uh, some of you are probably thinking the same thing. I never wanted to do it. In fact, it was the last thing I wanted to do. I had my, my, my life course set out. I knew my destiny, pretentious as that sounds. I knew the steps I was going to take and what I needed to do and how it was going to get there. And I had it laid out step by step by step. I dreamed about it. I knew what it was going to look like. And if you asked me what I didn't want to do, you know what number one on the top of the list was? To be a pastor. I mean, because who wants to do this? I, I mean, isn't it telling that if you go into a second grade classroom and ask the boys there what they want to be when they grow up, they never say they want to be a pastor? Because who wants to do this? I mean, pastors are, are pasty. And they're old. And the biggest they can ever smile usually amounts to this. You know, they're completely horrible, unpleasant people to be around. Trust me, spend some time around them. You'll regret it, all right? It's just no one wants to do that. And yet I remember there was a time when God came to me in my life and I knew that he was calling me to this. And I remember I, I was mad. I was ticked. It was more than that. I was panicked. Because I knew that there was a call of God towards something. A turning towards a new path. And I knew that if I didn't listen, I was going to violate something deep in his plan for me. And guys, it doesn't just happen to pastors. It happens to each and every one of us, each of you here. Do you realize there is something that God is calling you to, something that God wants to do in you and through you that will blow your mind and defy your imagination? I'm serious, it's true. And oftentimes, turning means stepping out into a new path, into something deeper that God is calling us to. And I gotta tell you, I do not find it insignificant that all four of the Gospels begin with Jesus' baptism. Before Jesus is doing miracles, before he's out teaching, before he's out preaching, before he's heading towards Jerusalem, it begins with Jesus' baptism. A turning, if you will, of immersion into a new call of God. Yeah, no, I know what you're thinking. You know, Matthew and Luke, they got the Christmas narrative. Okay, but have you ever noticed how Jesus is kind of like born and then you don't hear anything about him until this point? Okay, fair enough. I, I know like Luke has a scene where he's like 12 years old. He appears at the temple. People are wild. It's kind of like this boy band experience. Everyone goes, whoa, man, look at that. And then he kind of like fades away into oblivion again, right? Have you noticed how each of the Gospels begins with Jesus stepping into this call. It's like Jesus is stepping out into this call of God, this plan that God has for him. I think we tend to think that, that, that Jesus is like five years old. He's like, well, you know, I need to start preparing for my mission at the cross. No. It was there at that baptism that, Jesus, that God was calling his son to immerse into a new path. 
to turn and take that step towards his goal that God had in store for him. And he listened. And just look at what God did in him through him. You know, he gets baptized. And, 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 and something really amazing happens. His heaven actually rips open. It's torn in half. The veil of separation, it, it, it's just, it's, 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 it's for a moment gone. And this, this voice of the Father comes booming out and he says, this is my son. Whom I love. Stepped out and immersed in this path. I am well pleased. I don't know about you. I hunger to hear God say that to me. And that's what Jesus' baptism is all about. That he was willing to step out on a path and immerse himself in what it means to be human. To immerse himself into sin. To immerse himself in the place of you and of me. And to step out into that new calling that his father had in store for him that resulted in unleashing unlimited blessing upon you and me. That is what it's about. And that is why it's so important. That's who Jesus is.